want to celebrate uh, communion this morning, uh, but before we do, I have a few words, and I want to start with a, uh, a word from the Lord uh, to the body, uh, and it's in the form of a poem. Um, do you have it, Dina? And it's called Blind Sight, and it goes like this. It says, this is God speaking. He says, so you fell again. Anybody fall this week? I did. So you fell again, Jesus says. I only saw you cling to the cross. And in my eyes, your failing went unnoticed. I only see the blood. In my eyes, you are perfect. He says, so you are weak. You crumble in the dark. Your vulnerability cries out. I only see the blood. In my eyes, you are lovely. And the father says, you're a child. Rise, my little one, in your faults. Your weakness calls forth my strength. I only see the blood. And in my eyes... You are mine. God is God, and he is all-powerful. Everything is his, except for one thing. There is one thing God can't have if we don't give it to him. And that's our heart. And church, he really wants our hearts. He really wants us. We're hoped for and we are pursued by our creator God. So if you're Jewish... You operate on a different calendar. If you're Jewish, it's not the month of April. It's not 2022. If you're Jewish, it's the month of Nisan, and it is the year 5782. And if you're Jewish, just a few weeks ago, you celebrated the week of Passover. That's why I, I asked Matt to read that. It's so, so, so important to the Jewish people. And it's a type and shadow of our relationship with our Father God. So on the Passover week, it's customary to read Shir Hashirim, the Song of Songs, Song of Solomon. Imagine that reading the Song of Solomon. In the Jewish religion, men aren't even allowed to read that until they're age 30. Literally. It marks, the Passover marks the time when our romance with God officially began. And so they read the Song of Solomon. 
And the Song of Solomon, I think we know it has levels of meaning. There are different ways that we can look at this. It's, it's an amazing book. It's an odd book. Um, one way that we can read this poem, and one, one way that the Jewish people probably read it, and that we read it too, is this. There, there's a king. He disguises himself as a shepherd, and he's attempting to win the heart of the Shulamite. And, and in this, we see the picture of Jesus. He takes the form of a servant. He comes to demonstrate his eternal love for us. Um, Jewish people have what they call sages. To us, it would be a scholar or it would be a, a commentator. And these guys have been around for thousands of years. They're the ones that Jesus often bumped heads with. There's a famous sage. Um, he lived a number of centuries ago. His name was Rashi. And it says, he interprets this song, the Song of Solomon. He says, it's an allegory of a young and beautiful woman. She becomes engaged to, and then she marries a king. Later, she becomes unfaithful. And the king, because of her infidelity, he sends her into exile. He's heartbroken, but in spite of his broken heart, his love for her remains constant. And he continues to watch over her. He secretly watches over her. He protects her from behind the shutters. We see a scripture where, in Song of Solomon where he's peeking behind shutters at, at his bride. She's in exile, but he's still watching over her. She finally returns and she's faithful to him alone. He takes her back, and the love is restored. So Rashi says, the Jewish people were engaged to God when he took them out of Egypt. It was a, a type of marriage, or, or what they would call a, a hoopah. Um, later, we know the nation of Israel becomes unfaithful, and we know the story. They, they fall away, they come back, they fall away, they come back. But always God is there. Always he's watching over them. Always he's protecting them. I've mentioned to you all, I, I uh, like to read a, a, a Messianic Jew. Um, his name is John Parson. And here, here's what he says about Passover. He says, the essential meaning of Passover is, of course, rooted in the greatest love story ever told. He says it's about God. It's about creation. It's the loss of Adam and Eve. It's the call of Israel. And it's the coming of the Messiah who would sanctify us as his own people and deliver us from the plague of death. And in doing so, he redeems us from the penalty of sin. Yeshua, Jesus, his giving over of his soul in sacrifice and his triumph at the cross made new covenant possible with God. And as our suffering servant, Jesus gave up his life for ours and redeemed us from the sickness 
unto death and made a way for our everlasting health. The name Jesus in, in Hebrew, you've probably heard this, is Yeshua. And it literally translates salvation. If you read the Old Testament in Hebrew, whenever you see that word salvation or deliverance, it is Yeshua. So it is no coincidence that our Savior goes by the name Jesus, Yeshua. And it's no coincidence that he died, he was crucified at Passover. It was quite intentional on the part of the Father. So I want to look in uh, Luke 22. This is uh, Jesus. He's meeting with the disciples for the final time before he's going to go to the cross. And they're celebrating this Passover service. And this is a whole evening that he's meeting with them, that they're sharing, that they're, they're sharing in this meal. And so, you know, I, I, I got to thinking, what, what did this actually look like? So in, in Luke 22, it says, uh, starting with verse 7, the day of unle- on the, Then came the day of unleavened bread, Passover, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, and he said, Go and prepare Passover for us that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, Behold, when you enter the city, a man carrying a jar, jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and they found it just as he told them. And they prepared the Passover. And then verse 14, the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And I've wondered, did he speak to them? Did he share with them the Song of Solomon? I like to think that he did. And so I, I want to just, I, I, I want to read a little bit from Song of Solomon. And as we do this, I, I I want to try and try and realize, try and picture this in your mind. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. They do not realize that he is speaking to them personally, saying, this is how much I love you. Also realize as we read this, this is our Father God. <clears throat> He's speaking to us. These are things that he is saying to us. So let's look at this Song of Solomon 4. Do you have that, Dina? And I'm not going to read every verse here, uh, but I'm going to start with verse 1, and I want to expound on these a few of these just a little bit. Imagine this, Jesus saying this to his disciples, Behold, you are beautiful, my love. 
Imagine the Father saying this to you because he is. You are beautiful, my love. You are beautiful. Your eyes are doves behind your veil. And then these next few verses, he's going to describe his, his bride. He's going to do it in Hebrew language that honestly is lost to us as Westerners. So that's for another time. But if we go down to verse 6, here's what the king says to his bride. This is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. He says, I will go away to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. Think about this. Myrrh and frankincense, they're... uh, they are used in embalming. And it foreshadows Jesus' death on the cross. He's saying, he's telling the disciples, and they, don't, they won't understand this right now. Someday they will. But right now they don't understand it. But he's saying, I love you so much, I'm going to give my life for you. Then he says, you're altogether beautiful. He says this again. He said it in verse 1. He says again, you're altogether beautiful, my love. There's no flaw in you, church. There's no flaw. And in verse 8, he'll say, come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Depart from the peak of Amana, from the peak of Sinair and Hermon, from the dens of lions and from the mountains of leopards. So here's what that means. Lebanon back then was not a country. It's a mountain range. And it's on the very northern edge of Israel. And it was actually a very dangerous place. Lions and leopards literally lived there. And so he's saying to his bride, you're just, you're on the edge, you're on the edge. Oh, how I want you to come closer to me. I want you to come to Jerusalem, come to Zion, come to me where it's safe. And then verse 9. You have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You've captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes church I want to do something this may seem kind of weird but I want to do something I want us to look heavenward and imagine that we're looking at God everybody do that it's okay it's kind of weird but everybody do that just think what has just now happened Church, you have captivated his heart. He comes after us. And then in verse 10, how beautiful is your love, my sister, my church. How much better is your love than wine? This is how he sees us. The fragrance of your oils is better than any spice.
Then we go down to verse 16, and he'll say this. The king will say, Awake, O north wind, come, O south wind. The north wind is cold. The south wind is hot, but when they come together, it's perfect. And it's this perfect breeze that enhances the garden. And he's saying, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. I'm going to send this powerful wind of my Holy Spirit so that I can be with you continuously. This is how much he loves us. I'm going to ask you now, go ahead and come forward and we'll get the elements. Then go back to your seat and and we'll all take uh, communion here together now. And then continuing reading in Luke 22, it's verse 15. He said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them. And he said, This is my body. It is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, he said, The cup is poured out for you. This is the new covenant. This is my blood. Jesus says, Things have changed. He says, Things have changed. He said, The old stuff that's gone. He says, I am the final sacrifice. It's all summed up in me. And so, church, I tell you again, God is all-powerful, but he cannot have our hearts unless we freely give them to him. And he pursues us hard. He has a furious, dangerous, all-consuming love for us. And he's pursued us to the point of making himself like us in the form of Jesus Christ and dying in our place. He became the sacrificial lamb. And so, church, I present to you the evidence of his love for us, the body of Christ. And church, your gift from God the Father, the blood of Yeshua, our salvation. Father, we just don't have words for this. But Father, we say in our weakness, thank you. Thank you. 
thank you for pursuing us when we were unlovable. Thank you for coming after us when we rejected you. Thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the blood, Father.